start with a hi, everybody, and all that. Yes, yes. please so, start with hi, everybody. Do you want to go? Hi, everybody. All of our listeners, and we grew from zero to 20 now, which is great. Failing upwards. Hi, everybody. Thank you for listening. We decided we're going to start the show with a random fact. So you go first with your random fact, because I started, I have no idea. Just go first. Just Hello, everybody. Hi, Mario. I'm the developer in this show. And the random fact about me, uh, using rough calculation, I have calculated that up to this day, I have changed about 3,000 children's diapers. 3,000. Cool. 3,000. Okay. That's not bad. And how much did your wife change? Probably twice as much. But again, this is very rough statistics. 9,000 diapers per... That's not bad. Uh, yeah. A quick random fact about me. I had three motorcycle accidents all of them non-fatal obviously for now <laughs> just one of them was fatal one of them was fatal but uh it fatalized more one of them should have been fatal but it wasn't i'm all good unbreakable and all that stuff but yeah our topic for today let's start with the topic before today, that topic which... can i just make a suggestion yes maybe stick to bicycles maybe no, more more fatal than motorcycles in my opinion you stick to walking still more fatal than motorcycle i'm assuming I think that maybe stick to your couch yeah then diabetes gonna get me but something's gonna get me so might as well be the diabetes from the couch topic the topic is we've named it i have an idea why nobody wants to be my co-founder and build it for free we're gonna be millionaires and this is something that we heard loads of times not only heard i'm gonna say i also was to blame for doing this where when i was way younger and started to meeting developers. I thought as a designer, like I'm gonna design this. I have a cool idea. I just need someone to build it. And then we're gonna be, we're gonna be rolling in cash. And uh, lo and behold, nobody wanted to do anything because they all have jobs. They need to make money and they need bills to pay. So I met a guy who's now a friend of mine, Daniel Luka Kladaric, and we met on a tweet up. And I said, I had an idea for an app back then. I have no idea what it was anymore and it doesn't matter i have so much ideas that will never go into the world but who, who cares and he said uh sure of course i can build it how much are you gonna pay me i was like well no like we're gonna do it 50 50 i designed it and then you're gonna develop it and then and he was like yeah no either money on the table or i don't even want to talk about this anymore and i thought to myself like how rude like this <laughs> the Look at this asshole. Who does he think he is? He doesn't even want to talk about it. Oh, sorry, Mr. Big Shot developer. And, I'm, uh, da, 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 da. and, and then it started happening to me where people like, oh, I have a great idea. We should do this together. And I was like, yeah, how much are you going to pay? <laughs> and, and then kind of clicked. So, but yeah, I don't want to sound like a doom and gloomer, but I think there's a big advantage to being a non-technical co-founder. The challenge is finding people who are going to help you bring your idea to the world, if I'm being honest. And you need to find a structure that will either you're going to pay for them, getting a loan or whatever, or you need to find young enough people who have zero care in the world who can actually pour time and effort into your idea for free, and then you go there together. What do you think? Yes, I've been approached like this several thousand times. Uh, I actually have a person I know who I have to... We have to get connected so that he can tell me about his idea and why I should work on it so we can make millions and be rolling in dough. Yeah. So I kind of am familiar with the feeling. And luckily, over the course of years in the industry, and I've been doing this for a while, I have gotten to a place where I can tell you, if you tell me, hey, my idea is I want to be a little social network for pets where 
pets can interchange their barking with photos and the dogs can put out tweets saying, I don't know, fluffy bark bark. Then I can tell you, okay, in order to do that, you need account management, you need to connect the owners to accounts, you need the place to post walls, you need sharing, you need liking, you need commenting, you need doing all of that. The design for that will take, the whole project is going to take about six months, given the rough estimated time of development, which can be, let's say, between 50 and 100 US dollars. The total amount comes to roughly amount of money. Do you have that amount of money? And then it's, then we start a conversation. Because people say, hey, I have an idea. Can you just develop it by lunchtime? No, I cannot develop it by lunchtime. I need to assemble a team of five people to develop it over the course of next three months or six months or 12 months, depending on what you want to do. And people obviously aren't aware of this, which is fine. Non-technical people don't have to be aware how tricky it is to build a project. But it is tricky. And the first thing I do in such conversation is just put it in perspective of time and money, just so you have a rough idea. What do you think is the biggest blind spot for non-technical founders? So the biggest blind spot for non-technical founders is that they don't understand how much time it, how much time it takes to build something. And that's primarily it. But I don't think so that's, yeah, I would say that's the biggest blind spot. I think they underestimate the time to develop a proper product and get it out to market so people can actually use it and actually work on it. So if you're a developer that wants to partner with a non-technical founder and actually agrees to do this, what would be your expectations from the non-technical founder to bring to the table that will help you build the product faster within the budget? That is that actually, is not money. So that is actually something that I wanted to touch base on this topic. And that is something that I wanted to mention once you mentioned your almost project with Luca. So you say, hey, I have an idea. But what you bring to the table is you bring the fact that you can design it for free. If I am a developer coming, you come to me, hey, and I say, okay, for development, I want a big stack of money. Then you can say, okay, but I'm putting in the design for free. Otherwise, the design would also cost a big stack of money. And then we are putting equal amount of effort in there. And then we can decide, okay, for the first year, we're doing it for free. And then let's see if it rolls up. But people just coming in with, hey, I have this great. And then there are a few beautiful buzzwords that people use. Everybody needs it. Everybody's going to use it. Like it's not, it's a software specified for businessmen in the gardening industry that's going to allow them to sell more. But everybody needs this. Everybody's going to be using it. Okay, so how much it's going to cost? It's going to cost $5 a piece. Okay, so how many people are going to you buy it? Everybody's going to buy it. Okay, so how many people did you talk to? I talked to my mother and she also needs it. I talked to my best friend. She said it's a great idea. So there's a lot of things, in my opinion, that founders need to do before or can do before actually delivering the app. And I don't know if those are your experiences. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's, of course, there's money and funding topic to be had when building anything. And one of the, also one of the uh, empty, I'm missing the word. <laughs> breathe, breathe. I need a translation for the word. Bullshit. Bullshit. Okay. Not I absolutely accurate, bullshit. but good enough for the purpose of discussion. Let me see if they're actually, uh, I'm going to try to translate from Croatian to English. Platitude. Yes, of course. Empty platitudes. Oh, Duh. yeah. Bullshit yeah. is much better. So there's, <laughs> bullshit is much better than a platitude. So there's an empty platitude. 
that I hear a lot with uh, these types of approaches where I have a great idea is, uh, and I'm sure you've heard this one, is if we only get 1% of the market, and then the 1%, and it's on 8 billion people, 1%, like, like there's, even, like Microsoft doesn't have 1% of people in the world using it. So why would your dog barking tweets have that? But like everybody who has a dog, and then if we get 1%, if you just count how many dogs are in the world, and then you get like 1% of like, no, stop it. Stop it. If you get... 1% of your household to give you 100 bucks to invest in your idea, I'm going to talk to you. But apart from that, the only 1% I need from you is 1% more than just an idea. Just whatever brings, whatever is just above the idea. And then we'll see. Uh, on the other hand, I'm currently CTO in Piketor. Piketor is a market research platform for true market researchers done for free. But actually the story on how I became the of Piketor is interesting. So I met Marin, the founder, in a startup competition. I had my own small idea for a startup. He had Piketor and he was at that time solo and he was completely non-technical, but he knew that he wanted to build. At the time it was supposed to be like Uber for Mr. So like you're an owner of, of a cafe bar, you want to know if your waiter is doing their job. You can order a mystery shopper to go in, get a coffee, see if the waiter said hi, if the restaurant was clean, if the toilet was clean, give you a quick report, and that would cost you, I don't know, 50 euro or something. And he was non-technical, and he came with that story. And so we met. He's a fun guy. We had great time in that startup company, Rieka, that was really cool. And then we haven't seen each other in a while, but as we befriended on Facebook and on LinkedIn and whatnot, I could see that he was posting, creating content, or, and every now and then it would pop up and he was bringing up new content, he was bringing up new stories, he was bringing up new experiences, what he learned of the industry, what he learned, how he improved, how he failed, how he used no code to develop something, how he found some people to develop a basic website for him, how he has a new way, and things like that. So even without a technical team, even without a tech, he was pushing it, eight to 12 hours a day to learn about the industry, to learn who has the problem, to learn what he can do, to speak to people, to get ideas how to market it, to get ideas. So there's a ton of things that a non-technical founder not can do, but must do in order to get a startup run. The development is just a small part of it. The whole experience includes building a business around the product. The product doesn't sell itself. You need a business around the product. And Martin was great there. And actually in, I don't know, eight months after that, we got together because he needed help. He actually got a client and he actually got a big client. It was like a, a furniture house that had operations in Croatia that has like at least 50 stores in Croatia. We need picket or need to do some surveying for them and all of that. And he said, okay, now I have a big client. They expect us to deliver this in three months. Now we need a software help. And we did, the, we actually, I did the first software as a contractor for them. I charged and then we said, okay, are you going to, are you interested in doing this for real? And I was, and now four years later, we have a big platform. We have a company in UK. We have people using it. It's awesome and things like that. But it didn't start with him saying, hey, I have this idea. Can you build it? It started with him actually pushing a year and a half with his head through a brick wall before he even came to development. And for me, the 
fact that he was not just like anybody else who has an idea, but the fact that he was actually pushing on his idea and doing something about it was the thing that said, okay, I want to do, I want to work with this person. That's really great. That was beautiful advertising for Picator. So yeah, I wouldn't call it advertising. I think that was a great, I think that's a great story because he brought a lot to the table, especially the first sale, which means uh, that the idea has viability. And that's important. If you don't have, if you have a sale before you start even doing thing, it's great. And I'm not advertising personally for, hey, do sell first, build later, because that, that can spectacularly fail if you don't pull it off. So he was lucky he had you to pull it off in three months. But in, I've seen instances where people would sell the idea before the product was even existed. And there were instances where it couldn't, it wasn't even viable. The idea was great on paper. It just didn't work in real life. And then the, there's no amount of money that you can pour into the idea if it just, it's not feasible. No, but you have to be aware. So I am for, in ideal cases, my advice. So I work as a startup mentor every now and then with Innovation Center. They have different kinds of startup accelerators and things like that. And my advice is go talk to your potential customers. And in an ideal case, find somebody that you can come and say, okay, this normally costs 100 pieces of bacon. I'll give it to you for half. I'll give it to you for one quarter of a price. Commit by paying some amount. And I'm going to deliver it to you in three months because it's not yet built. I am all for that approach. But in order to do that, you have to have a vague feeling that it can be done in time you promise. So you can't say, hey, I promise to fly you to the moon in three months because I can't do that. But what I can tell you, hey, I can promise to have an application for you ready that has, I don't know, seven web forms and three tables to view the data because I know I can't have that ready. So it's always, it's always how much preparation and how much work without actually doing the coding and the development. And the, you have to have an idea of how long it takes and how much it costs and will you be able to pull it off. So how, what was your last experience with, hey, I have an idea? When was my last experience? Oh, my last experience with, hey, I have an idea was I had an idea and I met this amazing guy, a great developer through my newsletter, which was very random. So he attended one of my talks and subscribed to my newsletter and then replied to one of those. And we kind of talking and we have similar interests, similar style in similar sense of humor, stuff like that. And we hopped on a call, just had coffee randomly and then started having those regularly. And he was like, oh, I want to build something. I'm a developer. I want to build something. I have no ideas. And he was like, oh, well, welcome to my world. I have stack of ideas and zero expertise on how to build them. And I tried coding. I tried no code. I tried all of that bullshit. It's, I'm just not cut out for that. Um, it would, it's not that I can't do it. I can but the thing is, it would take me way too much time and effort and energy to do something just to try it out. So I just kind of do some things that I'm good at. So he came in and said, like, let's build something. So I came up with an idea. We build it and shit works. It's called Socratly. You tried it out. So it's the it's small little platform. Works really well. The thing is, now comes the hard part where you need to actually promote it and make it a viable and sellable business. You need to sell stuff. You need to charge for it. You need to do a lot of legwork in on the business side that both him and me are not even equipped. We just don't have time for it. We wanted to build it to see if it works. It works. We have a couple of ideas how we want to grow and monetize. 
and now it's a matter of sitting down and doing the business part. And this is where we are at the moment. Can I just butt in and say, just how is the situation that you have? But probably, in hindsight, you should have done it the other way around. Just my two cents. But here's the thing. We wanted to build something. We didn't want to discover how business works, right? So I know how the business works. I've done it numerous times. So I, that part is not an unknown thing to me. I know how to build a business. It's just like, let's, can we see how you and I can work together? Can we build something that works, that we love, that we have use for? And then if we want, we're going to go the business route. And now we are at a point like, what do we do with this? But if we went the other way around, and here's one of my issues that I have that I'm working with my purpose with. And this is if I committed to something that I have to do and then actually found clients and do all the things, then I'm bogged in and then I have to do it. And now I'm stuck. And now I don't have the freedom to do whatever the fuck I want to do. And this is a problem. So while I choose to do whatever I want, it's fun. As soon as it becomes a, and you have to do this and you can't get out of this and now you have to do this. And this is the only thing that you do and you're kind of hold yourself in, then I be quickly become very dissatisfied and depressed and whatever. So this is, it's the liberty to do if we want, but not actually doing it is always an option. And I can always come back to it when I don't want to do other things. So it's always like three and four things in the flight. And now it's the matter of actually, thinking, and I have an idea how we're going to do that soon. We are going to have to pivot a little bit. But it's going to be it's going to be an interesting thing too. So you touched base on a topic that's unfortunately a little bit painful for me. So a couple of years ago now, there was a friend of mine came and he had a great idea, and I honestly think it's a great idea. It's not revolutionary. It's a great idea for a platform, and he actually went on and assembled a team that would stand behind it. He had a great guy who did economics, and that this guy is really amazing. He himself is really amazing. He's a, a orthopedic surgeon, one of the top, I would even say, in the world. He found a great lawyer to cover everything from the legal aspects, and then he needed a developer to actually build that thing. And I was like looking at the team and said, okay, this team can do it. I would really want to be a part of that team. So I said yes. But unfortunately, as I have three kids, hence the 3,000 diapers from the beginning of the show, and as I have two companies, I should have said no. And that's something that I'm working with my therapist on learning how to say no, because you need to learn how to say no. And I didn't say no. So unfortunately, what I was supposed to bring to the table, I couldn't bring enough hours to the table and I couldn't help them and I actually stole them and actually fucked them up. So guys, if you are listening to this once again, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do it. I just overestimated myself. This is something as an advice or as an idea. Don't, somebody tells you, hey, I have a multi-million idea and let's do it, we'll be millionaire. Don't do it unless you see that person is actually committed and doing their part. And even if they're not technical, there's so much they need, so much that needs to be done and so much they can bring to the table. If they're bringing that amount to the table, in my opinion, it's worth considering to be on the development side. If they aren't, then it's not. The same thing goes the other way around. If you actually say yes, I'm going to help you without money because money is going to come in two years when we actually build it. Then if you said yes, then freaking do it and don't stall the people because you might kill their enthusiasm and you might kill their idea. Like I did. That's, so, yay. Yeah, that's true. 
Uh, and unfortunately, I have to say that I was to blame for the exact same thing. And I'm, I love saying yes to ideas because I love working with interesting people who have cool ideas. Love to be part of that, especially when there's a lot of unknowns. This is why I'm a product designer, because as a product designer, my I get the thing from discovering new stuff and solving the problem and getting the issue. And then once we get to a point where everything is clear, we know what the angle is and what are the steps, I lose interest because the fun part for me ended. And this is one of my biggest issues. And to your point of learning to say no, this is something that I've been working on as well. And the guy that I introduced you to recently that we're not going to name here is the person that I had to say no, unfortunately. I love the guy, love the project. I think it's a great idea. And I told him that I need to think about what he proposed and like, we would be great at this, we would work together. But I already have a couple of things in motion that I have not finished. And I want to see a couple of them to the end, this podcast being one of them. And I had to sit down with myself and have a serious conversation about what do I actually want to do? And is this project something where I see myself long term? And it's in fintech which is not all that fun to me, if I'm being honest. I love the idea of the app and what it can do, but I'm not into fintech. I love the idea of fintech when it became a thing, when Revolut came out, when crypto came out, it was all very interesting and challenging and blah, blah, blah. Now I know everything. And now this is just another thing that's going to combine and this is going to do the thing. And it could be amazing, but I think that I'm not as enthusiastic and might lose interest and I might screw that person over. So I don't want to be that guy. And I did that a couple of times, unfortunately. Two times. I did that two times where I was to blame for stalling the project and now I don't do it anymore. And there's a great book about it from Derek Sivers called Hell Yeah to Know What's Worth Doing. And it's a great book. And actually, since I did this on the first episode, if you're listening and you are not my personal friend, you're a listener, and you're the first person to tweet at me that you got to this point. I have an extra book. I'm going to give it away. Derek Sir's book. I have it on Kindle. I'm going to send you a digital copy. Just hit me up because it's an amazing book. If you haven't read it, let me know. I'm going to send it over. I was just about to say that I heard a quote, but I couldn't remember where, that if it's not a fuck yes, then it's a no. Exactly. That's very true. And if it's not a hell yeah, then it's a hell no. Because you can go down to a rabbit hole of just, just, it's a hell for me because I know that I'm screwing someone over and I feel the obligation, I need to complete it. And then it's that cross section between no and yes, that's not a pleasant living. Yeah. So for me, if I go down the rabbit hole myself, then it's less of a problem because, hey, you're in a rabbit hole, but screw you, you put yourself in there. So it's, it's on your own vault now, do something about it. But if I drag other people down with it, that and yeah, have to learn to be better at this. And I'm sorry that I had to drag a great team down with me in order to learn this. Yes. So now we are turning this into a personal growth podcast. Yes, but we're not going to do that. On the other hand, to go back to the I have an idea topic, and I don't know how much time you think we have. We don't have actually a time, so I'm just going to turn the topic around a bit. There are ideas that you think about while drinking beer and making jokes and doing for example, a friend of mine, way back, I think this is like between six and 10 years ago, when touchscreens came out, ooh, that's more. That's like we were still in university. He came up with the idea called, there's a touchscreen. All the ladies can record how they like to be touched. The computer can make 
averages and provide good advice based on a big database. So you can buy good advice on how to properly manipulate a touch your lead, touch your lead, <laughs> or okay. and the idea was that it would be called Ida, which was awesome. And we made fun of it over beers. So it was like drunk conversation between guys in a pub. And I'm sorry if I'm offending anybody. I don't mean to do that. The fact is that three weeks ago, I actually saw an advertisement about a company that got a big enough database on both genders like to be touched over the course of sexual intercourse and are actually selling it as an app so you can buy averages and statistics and things like that. And I was like, seriously? Yeah, sometimes even drunken conversations where you're mocking things and just having ideas to, to get a laugh. Those ideas can work, but it's not the idea that works. It's the amount of hours, the amount of effort, the amount of business development, the amount of product development, the amount of pushing, the amount of getting clients, all of that is what makes the product. The ideas, the same idea can be a multi-million company or a drunken joke in a bar. Exactly. And now, how do you validate the idea? What would be your advice for someone who has an idea to actually prove that it's needed? It's not for everybody. We cover that. It's not for everybody. But how do you get to the point, who is it for? And what is the size of that market? And how can you address it? How are you going to, once you have the idea, how are you going to approach the market? Talk to people. And this is like, seriously, the easiest, it's not the easiest thing to do. But it's doable. I'll to give you an example. So I want to build a tool for managing sports. And I want to build a tool for managing sports clubs covering all sports because I want to do financial management, personnel management. Yeah. Okay, so I can either start and start building a database with persons, with clubs, with finances, or I can Google, give me a list of all sports clubs in the city of Zagreb where I live. And in the city of Zagreb, I'm pretty sure there are around 100, at least 100 sports clubs. Some are, in, some are football, some are basketball, some are athletics, some are chess, some are whatever. And most of them have public websites and most of them have phone numbers. And, most, and if you start calling one by one, I'm pretty sure that the answer rate is going to be between 10 and 30%, which means that on 10 phone calls, you can get to three meetings. And then when you get a meeting to a, with the chairman of a sports club, you can say, hey, I'm Mario, I have this really cool idea. Do you have 30 minutes for me to pick your brain? A lot of people are inclined to give 30 minutes of their time completely for free. And if there's 100 clubs in Zagreb, if you call all of them, if it's between 10 and 30% response rate, then you can get at least talking to 25 people. Out of those 25 people, 100 will be in athletic, I don't know, two will be athletic clubs, two will be chess clubs, two will be handball clubs, two will be football clubs from the fourth league, one will be football club from the third league. And if you know somebody who knows somebody, maybe you can get to an actually football club from the first league, like to a big club. But then you get all that feedback and then you say, okay, what I wanted to, and then you can say, okay, these four have all of these features in common, but these three don't. Okay. For example, chess and athletics don't, but football and basketball do. Hey, great. This means that my targeted audience is not sports clubs anymore. Now my targeted audience is basketball clubs and football clubs. Okay, let's find five more basketball clubs and five more football clubs that I can talk to. And then you find that your product was actually solving all of the sports problems, actually solving sports problems in female basketball. 
But then you have a niche. Then you say, okay, female basketball. How many female basketball clubs are there in Europe? There are, let's Google it. I don't know, 2,500. Okay, let's talk to them. And it's going to become more and more difficult to get to them. But the more that you're able to get to them, the more feedback you'll get. If you cannot reach them out online, okay. There is a basketball coaches convention in happening in Chirich on the 21st. Let me fly over there and then go over there and catch them by the sleep. You have 30 minutes for me. By talking to your, by talking to people that you think are your actual users, you can find out A, if they are, if they are not, and B, if they have the problem that you think you're solving. Because it's possible that you come to them and, hey, I have this football management system. And they tell you, yeah, but we're already using this system. It's awesome. You can either be a competitor or you can say, okay, that problem is solved. Let's find a different problem. But talking to your clients and talking to your targeted audience is, in my, is, in my opinion, the first way to find out about your targeted audience. If you have, okay, this is my niche. This is what I'm building. Then you build a product and then you launch it. And then based on the feedback of the actual paying customers, you narrow it down, down until you actually get a product market fit. Okay, that was, uh, that was great. One thing that I would add on top of that is how to talk to those people. There's who to talk to, but there's also how to talk to them. Because if you ask somebody, hey, what do you think of my idea? Oh, it's great. Cool. I didn't get anything out of that. Right? There's a way to introduce your idea to explain what the product is and how it would work. And then to get feedback in a way that it's unactionable and it gets something. Because if somebody tells you something along the lines of, oh, this is cool, I love it. That means that it doesn't matter. It's not a good feedback. Or, but if somebody t tells you, hey, can I buy the prototype? Or what are the next steps that I uh, can do? Or, or how can I start using this? This means that idea has viability. So I was like, oh, this is great. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell all my friends about it or whatever. But, and there's a great book called The Mom Test from Robert Fitzpatrick, which is an amazing book on doing the exact thing and how to talk to people, how to ask the right questions, how to gain knowledge into this idea viable. And then if it is, then you can start doing next steps on how to do actually organize the business around it, the funding, the developers, the team, blah, blah, blah. And it teaches you how to talk to your mom or to your friends or to potential investors, potential clients. It's a different, different approach. And it's really great. The book is, it's short to the point gives you actionable how to basically it's a tutorial and it works. I'm not giving that one away. That's maybe <laughs> But the only thing that I wanted to say, I love that book, by the way, but the only thing I wanted to say is you, I wouldn't, my idea. I would pitch the problem. In my opinion, you first want to learn if, so let's say that my concept is that I think sports clubs have a problem with managing financial work. And my solution is going to solve that by introducing a software that will keep all that tidy, provide reports, yada, yada. I don't want to come to people and say, hey, would you be interested in a software that solves this? I would come to people, hey, I'm interested in how sports clubs solve problem of their financial management. Do you have 30 minutes to explain to me just a little bit about your processes? You don't have to tell me about the exact documents and things like that. But I would like to learn how it works in your company because I have an idea to improve something. So that would and be then my approach. And then if you get feedback about 30 people having those problems or not, we can see, then you can even refine your ideas saying, okay, they do have this problem, 
but not in this direction that I thought. I need to pivot just a little bit over there and then it's good. Talking about the problem is, in my opinion, much more important than talking about the solution. So you want to define the problem first better, yes. actually, to understand the problem. Yes. And yeah, it's, yeah that, that makes sense. I always come from a position that I understand all the problems and I have all the solutions. <laughs> that's just me being a designer and it's just like, I, I can solve any problem. Even if you don't have any problems, I'll give you problems and then I'll solve them. So I think, I think we could wrap up this one on that note and thank everybody for listening. I think this was great. And I think you said some valuable things and hopefully people got use, use any, some use thing to this. We also probably said some bullshit, but uh, I hope that people will forgive us. Hey, 80, 20, the rule. If we say 20% bullshit, 80% things that is useful, I think we're good. Even if it's 50, 50. Even say if it's the other way around, we're good, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 80% bullshit, 20% useful information. People listening to this got to the end. You're amazing. If you got to the end, thank you so much. Amazing. You're a masochist. You're everything. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I'll see you in the next one. Thank you. Bye. Bye.